Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're very welcome to episode 47 of the Scaling Your Business podcast. For this episode, I am joined by Gavin Bell all the way over in Edinburgh in Scotland. Gavin, you're very welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me here. Delighted to have you. Typical fashion with this podcast is we go back to chapter one and work our way from there. So with you, uh, grew up in Shetland Islands. Anyone not familiar with that? It's the most northerly tip of Scotland. A beautiful place. Lonely Planet actually named it as one of the best regions in the world for tourist-seeking unspoiled destinations. So with that said, have you got any favorite memories of growing up on the island? Yeah, um, it's kind of funny. Like I think growing up somewhere like Shetland, it's you always think the grass is greener on the other side. So growing up, it was always like, oh, I really want to be down on the mainland. Is what we call it. down south. Is what is what we call anywhere other than Shetland in Shetland. And um, and now that I've moved away, and I've moved away now for like ten years, it's always like, oh, I wish I was back in Shetland. So I think looking back, um, yeah, just I think the. The best thing about living in Shetland for me was the fact that as these are things that you probably don't appreciate as a child, um, where that it's completely safe and there's like next to no crime. And in the summer months, you've got sunlight pretty much 24 hours a day. So me and my friends would just sit and play football in the park until, you know, 11 o'clock at night without any worry in the world and then stumble home and, uh, and, and get to bed. So I think just yeah those those summer nights playing football with friends late were were brilliant when you were playing football with your friends during the late nights when you scored a goal uh, who did you imagine you were when you were celebrating <laughs> um it's always a I was always a big Ronaldo fan Cristiano Ronaldo fan so I probably um yeah probably thought I was him in terms of growing up just before we move on who do you think had the biggest impact on you uh, during your early years uh, that's a good question I think um, I think like growing up I, because I was in Shetland and it's obviously a very small remote place with not many people I probably I I, I seeked like looking outside of Shetland so social media was you know great for me and, I, and probably one of the biggest uh people that person person that I looked out to most was probably Peter Jones from from Dragon's Den um, or or even um, Lord Trigger from The Apprentice at, at the time because they, those were guys that were on TV and it was Peter Jones um, I moved down to Manchester when I was 18 and, and studied at the Peter Jones Enterprise Academy for a year so he was a big you know a, a big um, uh, person of inspiration for me yeah You've you've achieved a lot to date. I don't know if you could break Stephen Bartlett's record of being the youngest on Dragon's Den, but you've certainly achieved a lot to date in your career to date. Do you come from a family of entrepreneurs? No, definitely not. Uh, family are are very much um, work in the public sector. So, yeah, there's as far as I'm aware, there's no no business owners in in my family. 
you're now in Edinburgh. If for any of our listeners who've never been to Edinburgh, I've had the pleasure of being being there a couple of times. What one thing would you recommend they should see if they have like an afternoon in the city? Yeah, I think the best thing is if you go up to the castle, Edinburgh Castle, and don't necessarily go in and pay, but just just be there, uh, and then walk down what's called the Royal Mile, which is just a mile from the castle down to the um, palace. And on that road, it's just the most amazing architecture and old streets, and uh, you've got Scottish Parliament and and everything there. So, yeah, that's like if if ever there's somebody that comes to Edinburgh that's not been there before, that's that's where I take them. Uh, yeah, no, agreed. It, it's a fabulous city. Yeah, it'd be where you have to walk a lot of up and down hills. Um, <laughs> yeah. Looking through your social media, one of the things that popped up, I think it was one of your recent posts on Instagram, was. Uh, imposter syndrome not spending too long on it but uh, can you tell people how you uh, snap out of uh, when you're in that kind of state yeah I'm definitely someone that's had it a lot in my career I think probably because I set up a business straight from school and I've never really had um, I don't really know anything else and so like leaving Shetland, setting up a business and then being in this big city and at, you know when you first start you don't really have any results that you can talk about so you're kind of starting from absolute scratch I think for for me it was a case of I, I needed to get actual experience and actual results under my belt for me to then have the confidence to um you know, present myself in a way that I didn't feel like I was an imposter. So in the early days, that meant working for clients for free or for very nominal amounts of money so that I could then have a result. And, there, and my marketing and, and when I was speaking to people no longer became about me. It became about the result that I knew I could I, I help people achieve. Uh, so that was a big switch is that that's that changed from it being about me to being about a result. Nice. Again, from your social media, I've seen that you've been to places like America, Istanbul, India. Uh, you propose at Yosemite. Uh, you like swimming in the sea. Own a cat. You've been cliff jumping. Uh, the list could go on. But what's one thing you're into or curious about that not a lot of people know about you? Uh, I think probably the main thing right now is because it's relatively new for me. Is I've I've taken up free diving as a sport. So I've always I've always been active in the, in the sea. Um, coast steering growing up in Shetland and things but at the end of last year I decided to take a take a dive into free diving and, and spear fishing as a as a sport and that's been that's been amazing actually for me and I, I uh I love it because it's when when you're underwater I feel like it's it's like a moment of it's almost like meditational like I, I struggle as a, as a person to switch my brain off but when you're underwater holding your breath you have to be concentrated solely on the fact of, you know, st- staying alive as morbid as it sounds. So it gives it forces forces the brain to stop thinking about other things. That's dope. I don't know where this was, whether it was in Manchester or when you came back to Scotland, but you talked about working in a call center before. What was it that uh, motivated or inspired you to leave the call center to start your own business? Yeah, so the call center was after Manchester when I came back to Edinburgh. And um, I was in a I was in a kind of place where I, I needed money. Like I I was making no money from the business that I was trying to set up, and I needed money. And I but I, I didn't want to go get a job, like a nine to five job. I wanted something that was flexible because I knew it was always going to be a a short term thing that I had to do to to get the business up and running. 
Um, so I got a job in the call center, which allowed me to work really flexible hours, like working at the weekends and working in the evenings, which freed up time for working on the business during the day. And, and I think I, I remember the, I mean, to, to be honest, it's, it's not the most sexy uh, story in the world. I just worked on the business every day, like nine till four. And then I'd go to the call center and work a shift five till nine. Uh, so the call center gave me this like almost full time salary. I say that it was like 800 pound a month that I earned from that. Um, and the business like slowly started as I got a couple of clients. And I remember getting to a point where I was making like 800 pound a month with the business. I went on holiday to Istanbul and when I was there, I was like, I can't be bothered going back to the call center. You know, I'm making pretty much the same money with the business in the call center. So let's just cut, cut it. Uh, and I did, I never, I never went back and um, yeah, I just, I just made it work. A couple of years ago, you came out with a statement that you said the nine to five typical hours that was over or that was soon to be over. Given the, what we've gone through in the last 18 months, of a lot of people working remotely. I uh, don't know if you saw, but the uh, CEO of WeWork came out and said, uh, those who are least engaged are very comfortable working from home. Um, I don't know whether he was trying to get some PR or what he was doing making that statement, but uh, what are your thoughts on the future of people working either uh, hours or remote? Yeah, so I think like that statement, which was actually pretty cool for you to, to bring up now that we've had this pandemic was uh, something I still believe, which is, you know, I, I don't think there's any future in people dressing a certain way to show up to a certain place to work certain hours. I just think it's so mundane and, and awful. Um, and it's quite interesting because we're actually hiring just now and I've had to think about you know, what does work look like for that person? Is it fully remote? Is it in an office? Um, and, and what we're doing is we're going to go down a hybrid model where you can work from home, um, but maybe a couple of days a week, we meet in a co-working space, hot desking space, office space to, you know, get together. And, and I, I've done the remote thing for a long time now. And, and I, I love working from home, but I also think there's a big benefit in, being able to meet people face to face. And so I think um, me and, and a lot of other agency owners that I speak to, like the, the future will be a hybrid model where office spaces may change. They might not be you know, somewhere that you come and you sit nine to five on, on given days. There might be places where you come to meet and learn and um, you know, co-work and stuff. But I think, I think the traditional nine to five is dead, it's gone. And I'm, I'm glad and uh, yeah, I'm excited to see what actually happens. But I think it'll be a hybrid model that most businesses go with. Another thing you said, I think was at the end of your first year of business was that you started as a social media management company and a couple of months in, you changed to a social media consultant and then you changed to Facebook advertising. Having watched the video, I understand why. Um, but for those that are in a potentially similar situation and they don't want to change for whatever reason. It could be they've told their friends and family that this is what they're going to do and they don't want to, and they're not, they don't want to be vulnerable um, or they think that they've listened to a lot of people who tell them to ignore uh, other people. 
what advice would you have for someone who was in your shoes back then at the end of their first year in business? Yeah, like, for, so I've, I've been on like a, a roller coaster ride, and to be honest, you know, I had a business that failed and then created a new business out of that, which was a social media management agency. We had a really corporate brand with that, which I didn't like. So we then pivoted to, you know, uh, operating under my personal brand, which felt great for, for years. And then at the end of last year, I was like, this no longer feels right. I, I, for me, I want to exit the company in, in three to five years time and I need a brand in order to do that. So we've then gone and rebranded and created a new brand. Um, so, you know, what other people are, for other people, well, um, I mean, from my perspective, it's just been a case of just doing what feels right for you in the moment without, and it's really hard to do without worrying about what other people think. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I I, ser- I have, I, I do, and I have struggled with worrying about what people think my whole, you know, my whole career. But I think at the end of the day, it's a, it's a way up between, are you going to worry about what people think? Or are you going to do what's best for your life and your business and, and you at that moment in time? Uh, and, and, you know, when you're running a business, like it's a big, you know, it's a big thing. It's a, it's a big deal. And so for me, the priority was what's best for me growing this business and, and growing as a person and making those changes where those things at that time. Um, and so, yeah, there's probably people that were, you know, talking about what I was doing and, like, why is he doing that? But I made those changes and I'm glad I made those changes and ultimately they've, they've served me. So, Rewinding the clock back to your days in Shetland Island, you said that uh, people, two business owners who inspired you were Lord Sugar and Peter Jones. In the position you're in now, are there any entrepreneurs that you look to and you're like, I want to achieve what Dave achieved? I don't actually look at anyone and, and say that I want to achieve what they've achieved that's actually a really interesting question I, I look at people at what they've achieved and I am inspired by what they've done and what they have achieved but I don't think there's anybody that I say I want to do you know that so um like some and I, and I like taking lots of inspiration from from lots of different people so for example um Marcus Sheridan is a, is a marketer is the author of a book called they ask you answer I look up to him as somebody who has the most incredible communication skills that I've ever seen. And I go, and I look at him and I go, that's the level of communication that I want to be at. And then I might look at um, someone like Gary Vaynerchuk and I, and I look at what he's been able to do with his personal brand. And I, and I say, that's a level of branding that I would love to achieve from a personal branding perspective, but I don't go, I wish I could have a 800 person agency or a 14 person personal branding team. So I like to try and take little bits of inspiration from lots of different people rather than, you know, one person and, and hoping I was them, if that makes sense. Does it's safe to say that to get anyone to take action, you must first get their attention and you're good at that. You know, you've uh, been featured or written for the likes of social media examiner, uh, Huffington post Buzzfeed, many more. Uh, any tips for those out there who, uh, want to generate titles to get someone's attention without uh, sounding corny or untruthful. Yeah, yeah. I think um, the thing that I found because I've been in a place where I've tried too hard, mm-hmm. if I'm honest, and you know, like reading all the books about how to create the most incredible headlines and trying them, and then it just being totally 
was like not in line with who I actually am and then you look back and you're just like cringe the thing the things that have worked for me I think are just when you uh, I, I really don't want to say this on this podcast because it's so cringe but when you're just authentic and and the example I give of that is like to this day one of the best articles that I've ever written um, was one that I wrote like right at the beginning which was the uh, what was it titled the the harsh realities of being a business owner and in it I was just like yeah you're going to be lonely you're going to be skint I, I can't remember exactly what I said in it but I think writing something like that then other people read it and it resonated with them yeah. and because it resonated with them it created it created buzz um, so I think it's just a case of you know like knowing what people actually want to consume in your space and then giving them that and if you can give them that in a unique way then that's all you need to do without trying and, and don't try too hard to you know, create the perfect the perfect headline I, I i wrote a post on on a tweet earlier today that it's funny because you'll you'll put time and effort into creating the perfect post and it'll get two likes and then you create something on the fly and it'll go viral and that literally happened to me earlier this week i had a, a tweet that go went viral and it's just a small you know a small tweet that I didn't spend much time thinking about uh, and I think the same goes for for any piece of content I know that you read books have you got any mentors that you seek advice from or books that you're currently reading or podcasts that you listen to yeah um, I don't have any like mentors currently um, but the book that I'm reading just now is one called clockwork uh, and it's a book about like setting your business up so that it runs like clockwork um, a book, a podcast, or somebody that I'm, I'm actually, that I do look up to and, and really enjoy their content right now. Uh, and he's kind of like low-key influencer right now. So, so get in there when you can. There's a guy called Alex Hormozy. Um, he runs a, a company called Gym Launch that I think they do like over 100 million in sales a year. And he just has these incredible like 10, 15 minute podcasts where he goes deep into like a really high level topic. Um, and the advice that he gives on those podcasts is one of the best, like short 10 minute, 15 minute, you'll definitely get something. Like you, I know every time I'm going to listen to a podcast, I'm going to learn something from it. Um, so he's definitely someone to, to check out. I will certainly check him out. I've never heard of him before uh, until you mentioned him. I'm sure that you've come up against challenges in your life personally and setting up a business and running a business, but focusing on the last 18 to 24 months, What's one challenge or objection that you came up against and didn't account for or expect and how did you tackle it? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, the big, without a doubt, the biggest question, uh, biggest problem I've come, come up against over the last 18 months is getting to a point at the end of last year. So to give the listeners a bit of context, like over the last two years, well, yeah, yeah, over the last two years that my, um, the business has we've had i've had an agency and but the majority of my focus and energy has been on uh, our coaches my membership sorry my coaching our membership and courses and things that i sold so like info products and i got to the end of last year and that's all been sold through my personal brand but i, I got to the end of last year and as you do over christmas you have a bit of time to reflect and think about what you actually want to do and achieve um and it was that during the time that i was like you know what I don't, 
I actually don't want to be a marketing influencer. When I'm like 40, 50, I don't want to be a marketing influencer. It's not really, I love marketing and it's amazing, but it's not really what I want to be known for. Um, and so I started thinking about, okay, well, what does the business look like then? And I started thinking about, well, I, you know, I, I want to exit the company within a few years. And, well, let's look at the business now. It's a personal brand. You can't exit a personal brand. So then we've had to go through this whole branding, rebranding process to move the business away from my personal brand to Yatter, which is what it's called now. So that's been just like the biggest um, uh, issue over the last few months because, ha- ha- first of all, having to come up with a new brand and working with an agency to do that, but also the repercussions of that. So things like, um, you know, when you're focused building a brand, you're, I wasn't spending enough time doing business development. So pipeline dries up a little bit and then, you know, you've got to try and build that back up. So the, the first, like, so where are we at? May, we're recording this. January to March for me was just like building, like it felt like I was almost starting from scratch, just like building the business again. Um, and then again, April, going into May and now we're back into business development mode and, and starting to get a bit of momentum, which is, which is great. But that has by far been the biggest challenge. You work hard. It's easy to see that from, from looking at any of your social platforms and, and you speak well. Um, what I mean by that is you, you've, you, you're, you're intelligent. What continues to drive you? I think just, I, I just have this like burning desire to just always be better. And um, I think that probably comes from growing up being very sport driven, like growing up in in Shetland, you were either good at music or you were good at sport. Um, And obviously the philosophy in sport and in football, which is kind of my main sport is to win and always to be better and to train harder, to beat the competition. And I think I've taken that um, mentality into, into business as well. So combining you know, just this mentality of wanting to always be better with just a general fact that I love what I do. Like, I love the fact that we're having this conversation. I love the fact that we've been able to meet things like this. Like, I, I, I yeah. can't imagine anything better to do with my time. So that and the ability to, and I think the great thing about entrepreneurship is that there is no finish line. It's just, uh, yeah, there's always something to improve. And uh, yeah, for me, I, I just, I live for that. I love that answer and uh, hands up. I had heard of Shetland Island before, but I didn't know if there was anyone who I knew from there. So I checked out, you know, notable people from Shetland Island and everyone was a musician. So you could be the first (laughs) non-musician to make it out of Shetland Island. A couple more questions for you. Um, If your house was burning down and your dog, your cat, your girlfriend, anyone who lives with you, they're safe. Uh, but you can only take one item, would you? What, what one item would you take? Well, I, 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 this is a really boring answer, but I feel like it would have to be my laptop. That's, because... That is the most common answer. 46, 47 episodes into this, and I'd say 42 people have said their laptop. Yeah. If, let's, well, let's pretend that my laptop is safe. Then I, I would say, um, and this is kind of funny, based on the last question, I'd probably take my guitar. Good choice. Good choice. I'd like you to imagine it's 2030 and I, and I, you, you, you may have hinted at the answer in this throughout the podcast, but I'd like you to imagine it's 2030 and you're looking back on the last decade 
you can answer this personally or professionally or a combination of both. What would you like to be looking back on? I thought you were going to say, what advice would you give? And my answer would have been buy more Bitcoin. But um, the, what would I like to be, what would I like to look back on? I think just a, a life where, a, a life of adventure is what I'd say. So, you know, we, uh, me and my fiance, we've bought a camper van. We absolutely love going out on adventures. I think that probably stems from, from growing up in Shetland again. And so I think I would, I'd like to look back and just go like, we've, we've done our all when it comes mm. to, when it comes to adventures. That's a good answer. And you'll still have a lot of life to live. Funny, you, you said Bitcoin because you thought I was going to answer a different question. My, one of my good friends, uh, well, I've gotten to know him over the last couple of months. Um, he uh, had a bakery in Dublin City and through that, he wanted to get some PR. As a result of that, he decided this was years ago to be the first kind of bakery to uh, allow people to buy donuts and all that stuff through Bitcoin. And over a five, six month window period, he, he got a certain amount of Bitcoin and it was like, I don't know, equated to like 25,000 euro at the time. And then Bitcoin died. So he, him and his friends wanted to know what to do with this. And throughout that summer, they spent it on beer and pizza. And then he looked at it a couple of months ago and it was worth 960,000 euro if he had kept it. So <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Anyway. Anyway, look, um, I've had a, a, a great pleasure in chatting to you over the last 30 minutes. Um, I'll leave links to your YouTube channel. I know you've got a couple of resources on, on the page as well. Um, I'll leave links to those below on your LinkedIn as well. But from my end, I wish you nothing but the success going forward into the future. Thanks so much. So this has been, it's been really fun. And um, yeah, I really enjoyed the, co uh, the conversation and the questions you asked. So thank you. Beautiful morning. Get a sun in my morning, babe Nothing in the world